welcome into the Waiver Fire podcast, Nick and JP. Continuing in the off season, how are you, man? I'm great. I'm doing good. We've got some cool stuff. I mean, we have our movie segment. We're right in the heart of David Lynch, but we actually have some news to talk about with with uh, football, man. Carson Wentz. Yeah. Yeah. Going to the it's Colts. happening. Wow. So Very does that make does, does that make you feel a little bit better about Jonathan Taylor? I don't know. I don't know if I've really resolved it in my head because Carson Wentz has just looked so bad. And I know that that team, I know the Eagles were kind of falling to pieces, the offensive line, the wide receivers, the tight ends were a little banged up, which is supposed to be their strength, but he just hasn't given you really a glimmer of hope. I I guess for me, (laughs) you know, maybe, maybe it cements the run game a little stronger because they don't want to put it all on his shoulders. And and honestly, it was going to take a lot to, to lower him in my eyes because the defense is so strong and that's how they're going to win ball games. So in the wide receiver core, it's not that good. I mean, T.Y. Hilton's past his prime. Pittman has an emerging talent, but doesn't seem like an amazing alpha. So I think it runs through him. And, uh, you know, Carson Wentz was decent at checkdowns, and so maybe he gets a few targets and – I don't know. I haven't, I don't think it shifted the needle too much. Like if they had gone and gotten Jamius, I feel like I would have been a little, a little more negative on Jonathan Taylor just because the turnovers and maybe the game scripts are a little worse for him. But uh, how about you, man? How are you feeling about JT? Um, it, it, it's kind of, I, I wanted to select him next year at, I'm not sure if I'll be able to at whatever his draft capital is, but I'm kind of breathe a sigh of relief because I've seen, I've seen Carson Wentz be effective before. And there's some pieces there with him now that were there with him when he was successful at Philadelphia. And I could, I could foresee him being productive. I saw this poll that really um, surprised me. I think it was a footballers poll and they did what are you like more confident about the offense with him or with Privers and the majority of people were saying that they're more that they like it more with wins and I wouldn't go that far I I think Rivers was a, probably a better situation, but I think I saw that same poll and I think I, I came away with the exact same reaction that, but you know, everybody likes the potential, right. Rather than the old hat, but yeah, Phillip Rivers, even towards the end was just a more consistent option for that offense. Um, I mean, they scored pretty well. I think they averaged, I, I would be interested to look up what, the the Colts offensive output was this year in terms of points per game because felt pretty strong. I mean, I felt like they were in the red zone a decent amount. Um, so I don't think it's an upgrade. I don't see it as much of a downgrade either. I wish that, you know, it's, it really sucks that Carson Wentz, his legs still seem to just be shot from the injuries because be nice if, if the defenses had to respect him on the ground, but 
his legs are just torn up and, and he can't really run like he did in his rookie year. And so the lanes are going to be stuffed for Jonathan Taylor and maybe they transition him a little bit more into a three down role. But the problem is that Naeem Himes is, is a quality pass catching specialist. So it limits him. I, you know, you talked about his stock and, and how you'd like to get him, but you might not be able to. What, what's just your initial guess, like where he, he uh, will go? Mm, he goes before J.K. Dobbins. He goes before. Yeah. Um, he goes before James Robinson. Right. He goes, he goes before. Does he go before that kind of like second tier of wide receivers, like the Justin Jeffersons and the Tyreek Hills and the Calvin Ridleys? Probably right. Maybe not Tyreek. Maybe. No, no. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think he goes before Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I would definitely take Tyreek over him. So that um, feels like early second round or so, early to mid second round, probably. Yeah, he shouldn't be around too long. That seems like a fine – I would be fine going in on that. Like if I had, you know, the eighth pick and I pick up – jeez, I, I was about to say Travis Kelsey and Jonathan Taylor, but I don't, I don't know if I can pull the trigger on the, at the 108 on Travis Kelsey. But, but a solid first rounder and then him in the second, I think it would be a really, really nice start to the second round. I'd definitely prefer him over those um, second-tier wide receivers and the J.K. Dobbins, so – I think I think yeah. that's a reasonable approach. Maybe people get a little crazy and he turns into a first rounder and I probably won't be there, but I think we see him just about the same. Any other pieces that you think are kind of massively affected, either on the Eagles with uh, Jalen Hurts? Anybody that you kind of wanted to talk about? Not really. I've got I've got some pretty good feelings about Jalen Hurts this coming season. But Nothing specific. I don't know if you should really get excited about any Eagles wide receiver since he's such a runner. Jalen Rager is talented. Uh, I can't can't discount that. Would you would still go like? Lamar Jackson's still going to be ahead of him. Ryan, oh, Tan- yeah. Ryan Tannehill, Justin Herbert. Not Ryan Tannehill. Kyler, Kyler Murray. Ryan Tannehill is after him. Yeah. I guess that's kind of where he fits. Like, you know, after the elite of the elite and the, the rushes. Russell Wilson uh, still ahead? Not for me. I'm, mm. I'm no touchy on Russell Wilson. Next year. <laughs> don't touch me there <laughs> yeah no touchy i don't want it um not at not at any i'm gonna give you a little bit of a layup here but i wonder if it actually really is a layup and that's aaron Rodgers versus jalen hurts mm, i don't know i think i think aaron Rodgers could maybe have another monster season you never know yeah. Um, I agree. Mm-hmm. They, I know that I should say that Rogers goes first. Mm-hmm. So 
I'll just say. But it sounds like you're it sounds like you're pretty a little hesitant. And so that kind of means that you're pretty hungry on Jalen Hurts. And I agree. I like him a lot. Especially Yeah. I hope they can get that offensive line back and healthy because that obviously would help things. But yeah, it's pretty spicy, man. I kind of like how things have worked out. I think I think it leads to the most potent offenses around the board and it should be fun. I mean, I've heard some talk about how T.Y. Hilton should have a bit of reemergence. I'm not gonna probably be about that. I might be about Pittman as kind of just a back end, but I'm not hugely excited outside of that running game. Maybe the tight ends, you know, maybe one of those uh, Colts tight ends emerges and that could be kind of fun because we always need a few more tight ends, but yeah, that's fun news. I'm trying to think if there's any, I thought there was some other NFL news, but that kind of clouded everything. Um, Djokovic won the Australian open very easily. I stayed up till four in the morning to watch that. And it was just the worst tennis final ever i know you don't care about tennis oh. but to all the tennis fans out there it was brutal um houston Daft is, Punk. everyone's talking about houston got, yeah but there's really no news it was just it's just all talk at this point right well jj watt's gone yeah but jj watt i mean what was he you know i'd he's well past his prime that's true he's definitely not in like the top 20 no, he's just a name at this point. I mean, he'll obviously get picked up because he sells so many tickets and maybe he offers something, you know, similar to um, kind of similar to how Nadomnikin Sue went to Tampa Bay as just kind of almost like an afterthought. But he was a complete menace in the postseason and, and I think was a strong part of what won them the Super Bowl. I mean, he was just nasty and people forget like he's just a forgotten name when he's a you know, ex-superstar. Well, I could I'll, absolutely see him. I'll never forget him stomping on people's legs and shit. <laughs> well, well, he had a bit of a cleaner postseason and year. He was he, he kept his name out of the news, but he was excellent. And I could see JJ go into a contender and just, you know, s- stop having to feel like he needs to be the entire defense and just settle into his role. And maybe he has a bit of a reemergence. So that'll be fun. Um We'll definitely keep up with where he lands. But uh, uh, I think Daft the last thing is Daft Punk, man. I know it had been a long time since they released anything, but it felt like it felt like I'd have I'd had Daft Punk like my whole life, you know? Yeah. I mean, they, they were making music before I was into music at all. And and I can't say that I'm any sort of electronic or dance, you know, junkie. It was never really my thing, but but all of their albums were very strong. And even the last one random access memory i played that you know for weeks on repeat and it was just it was absolutely killer so it was kind of sad to see him go today yeah hopefully they can kind of you know continue to be artists in their own right and maybe that could be incredibly interesting so we'll see but had to bring it up should we dive into some movie let's go all right man i have no notes for this and i think that's kind of apropos for this movie Wild at heart. Here we go. David Lynch. Um, all right, what do we have? Eraserhead, Elephant Man, Dune, Blue Velvet, number five. Wild into Wild at Heart. And and I had not uh, you know, heard anything about this except for in our last podcast, <laughs> right when I said that we were gonna watch Wild at Heart, you went, this movie. <laughs> And then I think followed it up with, this is not my favorite of his films. 
And so that was my right. impression going in, which honestly, I have to give you, I have to like, thank you for doing that because it, it lessened expectations and, and just let me enjoy the ride. And I actually enjoyed it, man. It was fun. Did you, did yeah, you watch I, it again I mean, this, this week or no? Yeah. Yeah. I always rewatch it. Okay. Um, it, it is fun. It's not, it's not the worst. My, my favorite thing is, is sailor and his, and his, uh, his jacket, his snakeskin jacket. It's a, symbol of his individuality and his <laughs> whatever he says i like that jacket <laughs> i like nick yeah. cage man i like early nick cage this and uh raising arizona i i i enjoy his style of acting and his accent and his look it's, it's very enjoyable man it's nothing to be taken too seriously but it's fun but yeah that that is a i do like that uh part of the movie as well he, he's a great centerpiece um so i have no notes man do you just want to throw out favorite parts or do you have some some tidbits on you know I, I don't know any background on this yeah i've got some direction to go on it so one of the biggest things i want to start off with is uh the cast it's pretty crazy you've got um twin peaks people because Okay, so the movie came out in 1990, which is when Twin Peaks started. So it's kind of muddy to me, like when everything was filmed and and, and stuff like that. I really, I, I'm not, I'm not totally sure on all that. But what we've got here is Nick Cage, Laura Dern, and Willem Dafoe. These <laughs> these actors are huge. Like, it's awesome that they're all in this movie. Um, and that's kind of the, the cornerstone of it as far as casting goes. But if you'll notice, we've got Sherilyn Finn from Twin Peaks. She's, uh, she's, what's her face? Um, Audrey from Twin Peaks. Which, which character uh, is that in Twin Peaks? Is that the girl who died? Because I recognized her. No. Oh, yeah. So the girl who dies, Cheryl Lee, that's uh, Laura Palmer. And she okay. is, she's Glinda, the the good witch. On, isn't she? On isn't she? Oh, is she not also the person who dies? In, no, she's not. It's a different girl who dies in the car wreck. Right, and that's Sherilyn Finn. She's she's the um, she's Audrey. She's the hotel owner's daughter in Twin. That's Peaks. right. I, I apologize for you know it's been so long since Twin Peaks, and I've only seen I want to say half of the first season or whatever. But when I saw um, Sherilyn, is that is that the actress's mm -hmm. name? dying in the car wreck i was like oh that's that girl who died in twin peaks and then like came back as a second a second act like role and a second character and so then when i saw her as the good witch i was like did david lynch do it again david used her twice but no i was confused it's two separate of the girl twin peak actresses right. that's that's kind of incredible mm -hmm. so um another favorite of mine harry dean stanton you know, he died uh, this past year, I think. 
Did not know that. He's been in, uh, let's see how many roles, 206 acting credits. We're talking, we're talking a literal legend of the silver screen here. He, he has been in so many things that I, it would exhaust me to, to talk about it. Um, and just awesome that he's in here. He just plays a great role in Twin Peaks. Um, John Lurie, do you know John Lurie? He's from uh, he's from some Jim Jarmusch films. I don't know if you've ever seen any of those. I don't. Uh, I don't know him. What what role did he have in this film that we just watched? He actually had a very small role. He was wearing. Oh. He was wearing a uh, a rebel flag baseball cap at a table. Dude, you know, now that you just said that, I absolutely know this guy. And and what do I know Have him from? Have you seen from? Paris, Texas? I, you know what I saw him in was a movie that you recommended to me from Criterion Collection, which is down by law. Oh, yeah. There you go. And he, oh, he is exceptional in down by law. And I was like, whoa, we get this guy. He's awesome. And I actually. That's a great role. It is. It's incredible. And honestly, even for like the, what, minute or two minutes that he gets in this film, he is awesome. Oh, my gosh. I love him. So what I want to, I want to kind of sidebar and say, John Lurie is one of my favorite actors. He's only wow. been in, in Stranger Than Paradise, Paris, Texas, Desperately Seeking Susan as Neighbors Saxophonist, Wild at Heart, and, and a few small roles here and there. Oh, he was in Oz. But so. You know what? I think I saw, I remember him in Oz now that you just said that. But I have not seen Stranger Than Paradise, and I feel like it moves almost up to like number one of of movies i have to see please because it's <laughs> i think it might be my one of my favorite films of all time i've got the Ooh. i've got the i've got the blue or the dvd here at the house oh baby um, all right but so john lurie right now has a show on hbo max called painting with, oh shit painting with john and it, <laughs> it is a trip you have to see it He's just okay, he's saying his thoughts and painting, and he's got his assistants there, and they're joking around. It's great. It's a, I'm game. It's a must listen or watch. Um, of course, we got Jack Nance again. He's got his dog. <laughs> My dog barks some. That's what he said to the to the main character. Of the three roles so far in a row that he's gotten, Dune, Blue Velvet, and now this, where it's essentially the same character and, and kind of almost the same character. I feel like he owns this one the best. Like, I was oh, yeah. okay with it this time. <laughs> he said, you might picture a dog like Toto. <laughs> But I assure you, my dog is always <laughs> with me. Yeah, it, that that was awesome. I I You're loved right. it, and You're right, obviously we we don't really even have to talk about the fact that this movie is just trying to do 
Wizard of Oz stuff at like every turn. Um, they got the witches. They got the clicking of the heels. I don't know if you noticed when the mom was covered in lipstick with her face is covered in lipstick. She's wearing witch boots or witch shoes like the the ones that have the curls on the toes or whatever. You know, to be honest, the clicking of the heels just registered as like, oh, they're just doing a kind of like cute homage, like the um, Laura Dern, you know, her character saw it as a kid or whatever. So she wanted to do that. And then it didn't really strike me until literally the end where you have the good witch come down. So I was like, hold on was this movie like constantly trying to do Wizard of Oz stuff? So I, I, I'd actually have to very much go back and rewatch to catch any other nods. Those were the only two things that kind of jumped out at me. So no, I didn't see the, the witch boots, but it makes well, total sense. In the sense. script, they're constantly giving nods to, to Wizard of Oz. And then there's the scene oh. where they're driving at night on the highway and um, uh, Lula looks over and sees her mom as the witch chasing them on the highway oh yes you're absolutely right and then of course at the end the mom you know has a puff of smoke from her picture and disappears there there was more i guess that you're right that i caught but it was just it was so wild that the the wizard of oz things just didn't add up in my head but i appreciate you bringing it up i think it's it's not as much saying that like this world and this story is parallel to the wizard of oz but just to kind of bring that theme to the forefront because i i think we've seen wizard of oz adjacent like themes from the other movies and this one is just kind of obviously being like yes that's what i'm going for like this isn't kansas anymore type thing like living in a dream that's that's the theme really you know Everything is a dream. That's kind of the David Lynch motto. Um, uh, Frances Bay is an old lady that is from Twin Peaks, and she played what seemed to be a pimp in this movie. There was a scene where uh, one of the really creepy um, crime figures had a bunch of women to entertain him. Um, it was the person that, that Lula's mom called whenever she wanted to yeah. kill um, Sailor. And that person was really weird. There's a scene where, where he's, there's a girl on either side of him. And one seems to have like a tray of shredded paper or something. And the other okay. one's holding huh. a tray with some Pepto Bismol and some other like chemicals <laughs> and and uh, cotton balls. And I, if I can be totally honest, I as a simple man and, and with two, I, I think I recall them just being topless. I, I I was caring very little about what was on their tray. I, apologize, I don't remember if they were topless or yes. not. <laughs> we look at different things jp at least well you've probably seen this movie a few times so maybe you're looking a little deeper but honestly that that whole scene of man who was that actor that was like the villain 
but that whole scene, I know the movie was over the top, but that one, that one didn't hit home for me. I wasn't a huge fan of that whole um, like mogul, you know, pimp scene, I guess. Yeah. But it was funny to see Frances Bay come back from her little granny. Um, you know, what was she? No, no, she was not the granny in, um, in our previous movie. Was she, she was, that was a different old lady. Yeah, this is my first time seeing her uh, on, uh, no, never mind. She was aunt Barbara. She, she was the happy Gilmore lady and she was the, yeah, she was the blue aunt velvet Barbara. girl. Okay, cool. So it is the same. Yeah. All right. So that's kind of funny that she went straight from that to this incredibly different actress and saying the F word and doing all types of madness. I'm happy for her. I'm happy that she agreed to do David Lynch's bidding and then there. Finally, I've got Isabella Rossellini. She was the, the lead, one of the lead yeah. women from last, last week. And she played a really creepy getaway driver slash friend of, um, of sailor. At first, I was just kind of like when, you know, when you're introduced to the character, like deep, you know, well into the film, I was like, oh, they just kind of brought her back, you know, as like a little homage. But she's actually a very cool character. I liked her in this movie as well. And and I was telling I think it was I was telling my mom that we were on this film and she was like, oh, it has Isabella Rosalini in it. And I was like, oh, OK, I, I haven't seen her yet. And I'm like halfway through the film. And she's like, yeah, that's uh ingrid bergman's daughter and i was like what i i had no idea when we were watching um blue velvet that this was ingrid bergman's daughter that's so cool to me anyways yeah she does a good job in this role i agree i she has that spooky david lynch feeling to it hmm. um anyway so i just th this film for one it, it, it's like it has a theme that I don't, I don't feel like you see a whole lot. I mean, there's, the, there's one aggravating part where, where Lula doesn't tell sailor about her weird run in with Bobby. And that's aggravating. Yeah. Because I feel like, why, why is that so aggravating? Um, well, cause I would have understood if, it was for the story and that you needed him to, to do the, the, the robbery or whatever with him. But I don't know. I, I just, maybe that's intentional. I just want him to know so that he can know that that guy's a scumbag and not work with him basically as, as Man, the viewer. I feel I've, I feel like Nick Cage fully understands that this guy is a complete scumbag before, without knowing that he touched up his, his lady friend. That's true. I think he doesn't. I just don't yeah. think that he would have taken, I think he would have taken it very personally. I think he wouldn't have. Oh, for sure. He would have had a, he would have had a showdown for sure. Um, but I don't know if, I don't know if um, Laura Dern's character had really processed that whole situation and kind of, owned it and reconciled herself and was ready to tell him right well she was very confused by that whole thing i understand that from like a our point of view right now and stuff like that but 
and as much of a David Lynch fan as I am, I I don't see that level of of depth in that character from from <laughs> David. I don't he, he like so, there there are some stuff that there are some things especially that <laughs> David writes in this movie that make me believe that he just doesn't know what's up when it comes to women and sex. Um I yeah. I do love that this protagonist is like entirely devoted to his woman and is just like this mm-hmm. chivalrous badass. And uh I mean that's just cool. You never see that in this type of movie. It's always like the guy's got his own thing to do and he his woman is just there for the ride. That's not that's not the case with Sailor. He he really cares about about Lula and Lula really cares about him. Um, no, I totally agree. It is a cool dynamic that, that the guy, you know, he's not the one cheating around or looking at women. Like when they're dancing at the club, you know, he goes to get some drinks, I think. And by the time he comes back, you know, he's not, he's not looking at any other tail in the bar. It's just for, for Laura. It is cool to see that dedication and, and compassion. I like it a lot. You're right. Um, I've got a little bit of notes. I probably would have put it in, in the doc, but they just make no sense if you're not me reading it. Um, so, oh, did you notice right when they got to new Orleans, they're going down the street and there's this man and he's walking with his friend and his friend is just, he's doing a monkey monkey sounds like monkey imitations at him. He's He's like oh. kind of jumping around and, and they're both kind of laughing and stuff. And I don't know. It was funny. It's like a, some s- silly David Lynch, pointless shenanigans. It's just there. For I us may to have caught up. that at the time, but it didn't, it didn't leave a lasting impression. So I'm, I'm not able to picture it right now. Yeah. Um, they, and also when they're there, they run into the, the guy from Elephant Man and Dune, the big eyebrows guy from Dune, and the guy who yes, they do. And he is like, he's he squeals like a pig or something. <laughs> yes, in 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 the bar and uh, talks about he's just. I, I had I didn't have I wasn't able to do subtitles. I had to watch this somewhere weird, and. He's yelling about spreading diseases and stuff. Never comes back to that again. Just doesn't he come back though? Like, isn't he in a later scene where he's like normal? Maybe I'm misremembering. Mm, I didn't I notice he was... if he was. Hmm. I'd have to honestly. I, I have to say the the middle of this movie. It was all, it's almost a blur to me, to be honest. I mean, some things stick out like the, the murder of, you know, Laura's father and, and some of those scenes, but man, there was just so much that it's hard. It's hard to remember all of it. Yeah. Um, one of the hitmen that they, they get to go after, uh, Harry Dean Stanton's character is like a weird looking woman with a cane. Who is that? And Don't we know people, her? I'm not sure, but okay. But 
that <laughs> those people are so weird and they did a really good job of just being so creepy um and then yeah sailor this gets to the weird stuff that sailor was saying he's just like some crazy stuff about hooking up with some girl he's talking about like walking up the stairs and he's like feeling up this other girl i'm sorry to stop you i'm sorry i'm sorry but that lady that's that kills the dad isn't that that's the lady in twin peaks right who makes that like like super frightened look um uh what was it like at the house because she thinks she like sees somebody in the house oh is that her oh yeah i guess that is her that's the mom yes wow another i thought i recognized her face and now it's coming to me that it's that lady, I I guess the mom who sees, yeah, I don't right. know what she sees. She sees some sort. I don't remember, like some sort of monster or something. I don't remember. Yeah. Huh. Anyways, I'm sorry. That's her. Keep going. <laughs> My bad. Keep going. No, that's cool. Um, but yeah, it was just really weird. I guess is it supposed to be like obviously fake? From Wh- which from part? Davis I'm sorry. Um, which part? Say- Sailor is telling uh, Lula a story about oh, a yes. time where he was hooked. He hooked up with oh a yeah, girl. like eight year old or something. Mm, it's just no. I mean, she seems like uh, they both seem to be in like teenagers or 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 in college age or something like that. But he's just he's telling Lula in detail how he was like feeling her up as he was going up the stairs and oh yes and, that's and right like and, that and he was like and, and it turns laura on like real bad <laughs> yeah and i just yeah, yeah yeah like i'm at this point i'm hoping that david is doing this as like a form of satire or something like that like he doesn't really believe that there's this person out there because if there is this person out there, it's not this character that he's written so far of of Lula. It it does it doesn't it's it's either it's either just obviously weird or or Lynch being creepy. One of the two. Um, why is Lula turned on by it? It's weird. I'm not sure, man. I, I, I kind of, I bought it from his character, you know, that at some point before Lula, you know, he, he kind of maybe messed around a bit and and now he's, he's really found the right girl. And. Oh, I have no problem buying that. I just, it's, you, you can't expect to tell your girl a weird story like that and have her be like, Oh yeah, that's great. Like, it's it's just and and i understand it's a it's in the lynchian world it's huh. it's like everything is in a dream or whatever but i don't know it, it just i it kind of rubbed I would me the say, wrong way i would say if any girl i dated if i told them about a previous encounter it would not it would not result in me having sex later that night for sure but i don't necessarily i don't I don't buy it. I mean, I, I buy it from, 
from this Laura character's perspective, I mean, it, it happens relatively early in the movie. We don't know her fully by that point. And hmm, I don't know. Interesting that that it struck the wrong chord. It, it didn't it didn't with me. I was totally OK with it. But I'm pretty sure the one that struck me the wrong way was doesn't Sailor say that he lost his virginity when he was like eight years old? I think he I'm, might have said that. And he said his, he started smoking cigarettes at four Four years old, he says. So, I mean, that's fucked up. We, we but eight-year-old sex says. is eight-year-old <laughs> sex is kind of like borderline, just absolutely disgusting and horrible. So it, it, that one, that one was my worst one. But yeah, yeah sailor. There was also the scene. There's also the scene with Lula where she was with a man when she was 13 years old. <sighs> yeah, that one was upsetting. But that one, you know, that's upsetting on a more realistic level, like a 13 year old getting raped by a, you know, friend of the family. That's, that's just absolutely horrific, but it happens. But Jesus dude, like an eight year old having like, you know, mutual sex, I guess it happens, but it was just like, both were, both were revolting for sure. Good call. (laughs) Yeah. There's just, there's a lot of things that I, there's a few things in this movie that I just don't think would fly these days in film. And I think, I think David was party to all of it um, and kind of thriving, I guess, because he went all out on that scene where Bobby comes into the hotel room with uh, Lula. Some of those lines that he says when he's in there are just God awful. Like you wouldn't even hear that in a regular and in, in like a like a very explicit TV show these days, um, and you're talking about where they have like just like a five to ten minute sex session or a different hotel. Uh, when no, when Bobby comes in to talk. To oh, oh, yeah, yeah. That that whole scene is very conflicting for sure, and man, you're right. Like it, it, it doesn't, it paints a very strange light on David on sexual harassment. Well, I guess David, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say sexual harassment and rape, but yeah, I guess it puts more back on the, the actual writer himself, but this, this was written and like he had full creative control over this movie. I guess, is it negative that like, uh, on me that I thought that that scene was like really important and good. <laughs> no, I, I mean, say that. <laughs> it was pretty good. I, I don't think that it, that it, it would need to like subtract it from the film, but it just, it wouldn't have gone over so good these days. Hmm. Um, I'm trying to think not about because that somebody because... would have like, not because somebody would have like canceled him or something like that, because it just, I think David would even know that it's just, it's just not it's just not how you write a movie these days yeah i mean i'm trying to think because it's it's kind of it's interesting that it's william defoe because i'm pretty sure and i have not seen this film but does it hasn't william defoe done a film maybe in the early 2010s where it's like a very rapey and gory movie i'm not exactly sure have you seen anything like that it was a yeah, relatively I, I know what movie you're talking about um 
You get to see actual penetration by Willem Dafoe. Wow. Um, him and Charlotte Gainsbourg, they just decided to say fuck it and do like full on penetration sex on on uh, this movie called Antichrist. Is that what it and, was? Okay. Yeah. And it's 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 not so much rapey as it is gory. And okay. uh yeah, that movie is amazing and horrible and an achievement of film for sure. Huh. So again, I have not seen it. I had just kind of read about it and I thought it was I thought it was rapey. So that's that's kind of why it triggered memories when I was watching him, you know, abused Laura that I was like, oh shit, William Defoe, you know. 20 years later, maybe 30 years, I think 20 years later, kind of uh, rekindles that role, but um, maybe less connection there than I had kind of thought in my head. I should probably watch that film. <laughs> but yeah, I, I was fine with it. I mean, honestly, the Bobby character, even if he is like a little one dimensional, I think he adds so much and maybe it is just because it's William Defoe and he's so fantastic. But man, I was just like, yes, I want this character on screen his teeth. I don't know what they've put in his mouth to make his teeth like that, but it was, it was so beyond absurd, but almost realistic that I just loved it, man. I was a big fan, but you're right. There, there are scenes in writing here that you don't see these days. And if that's good or bad, I'm not sure, but, but it definitely speaks to its time. Yeah. He, he's a great follow-up to Frank who was a great, um, villain as well he david is pretty good at the villain i can't wait to get to lost highway we do have a little string here don't we like in dune the dune villain i thought was a standout and then like you said frank and now william defoe you're right he's on a little hot streak with uh with villains he's he's got it kind of down packed i like it well, you said yeah. we shouldn't we shouldn't um, cut that scene out, but if I could just ask about a scene that I I don't necessarily want cut out because at the time of watching I thought that it was like like really important, but what what was the whole Crispin Glover thing? What is what is that where it's like a 5 minute little movie within within a movie about him I don't know, having cockroaches on his underwear and all kinds of stuff. (laughs) And then you don't see him until I think until the very end when he knocks out sailor in the gang, like what is going on with that? I don't know. There's, there's a lot of crazy stuff. Like, do you remember uh, there's like jingle Dale, (laughs) Uh, I remember it's that like a story, story about, about don't I don't exactly like a, remember the story. It's just like a random story in the middle of the movie about this guy named Jingle Dale, and it's it's Laura Dern's cousin or something like that. Is that the one you're talking about? It, is is that, that yes? I that's I the think, story you're talking about. Yes, I think that's exactly right, where we think it's this old guy in a Santa costume, but no, it's actually this, like, perverse 20-year-old, right, who, like, 
digs on himself and like does all types of fucked up shit. Yes, that's exactly who I'm talking about yeah. with black gloves and stuff. Jingle Dale. He's like, what is that? It's it's a great little Lynchian story that he just threw in the middle. It's <laughs> so so it's uh, Laura's. I can't remember if it's uncle or cousin. And his name is Jingle Dale, and he he's obsessed with Christmas, and he's like, he's got something wrong with him. So yes. like all year he's always making, he's always getting ready for Christmas or whatever. But the best scene is when he's making sandwiches. Oh my god! And uh, and he's like, "What are you doing, Dale?" <laughs> I'm making my lunch. <laughs> I mean, Crispin Glover is a fantastic actor. You know, I I really enjoy him, and I I wanted more, but but that's all we get, man. That's all we get, and it's so strange. And I I was just trying to think in the last like ten minutes: is there any like Wizard of Oz connection? But I don't think there is. I think it's just to paint a little bit of character. Man, it caught me off guard. Yeah. <sighs> okay. Um, I I, ha- I want to interject just a couple of my favorite scenes. I think one of one of the catchiest was when they're at the club together for the first time, and he has the little square off with with a dude hitting on his girl, and then uh-huh. he they're cool with it, and he sings the song, and I don't know. It's that's a that's an environment that I feel like is actually much harder to pull off than, than you take it credit for, for to show, because it can come off as like super, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but just it's hard. It's easy to not catch that environment correctly. And I think David Lynch actually got it, man. Like everybody's decked out in awesome garb and you know, the women are just loving him and the whole vibe of that scene. I just felt like was so right in the smoke and the lights and then he busts out into a song that I did not think he was going to sing, but it's awesome, man. I, I just loved it so much, even though Nick Cage has got like the little, you know, the bang over his eyes, almost like Spider-Man three. And it's a little too much, but I don't know. I'm a sucker for that, that scene. I like that scene too. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of the vibe from the, the roadhouse bar in twin peaks it might have been maybe borrowed from from that a little bit some of the some of the extras and some of the costumes and stuff like that it surely wasn't as heavy Mm -hmm. um on on the the roadhouse uh the music on this movie was heavy and energetic right and and you had nick cage just jumping around and rocking out and it was awesome. What a scene. I I uh I loved all of it and you're right. He got it he got it perfect because I think he does kind of at least have his or at least back then kind of have his finger on the pulse of 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 a kind of a wild rock and roll like a like a rockabilly type scene i don't know if you've ever heard of david's actual music that he makes but it's pretty crazy is that right because honestly all i had seen 
I guess before this was the Eraserhead interview that, you know, that predates this movie, but he came off as like a total dweeb to me, you know, like, like a kind of nerdy filmmaker, not, not a rock star at all. So he's not a rock star, but (laughs) if you get a chance, look up the song crazy clown time. Oh, okay. It's got a music video to go with it. I'll absolutely do that, man. And is was that made around this time or much later in life? No, it's it's closer to now. Okay, I gotcha. Let's um, see. Go ahead. You had one more scene to say. I had. I have a. a I have a few scenes that I like. First right. off, a couple I more. Think, I think the intro scene is really awesome, man. Where like you kind of just see them walking down a stairwell from this from this dance hall and you see like very fancy people, you know, dressed up old people and they just come busting out the two of them looking awesome together. And I like it, you know, it's rebellious. And then all of a sudden we get a straight up grotesque as hell, almost nightmarish knife fight and head smashing in the first two minutes of the film. I was so excited by that. Yeah. I mean, the first opening of um, Blue Velvet, you know, it's the happy Americana and it's a slow um, spiral into hell. And this is just like, nah, man, we're we're right there in the heart of it. This is this is the real shit right there. And it, it honestly doesn't let off from there. I mean, some movies, you know, they start like super crazy and then it's like 30 minutes of, you know, boringness. But this movie just kept it on. And so very excited by that opening. Yeah. Let's see. You know, I'm trying to think there was one and it's just a quick little cut, but it happens when they're on the highway and, and poor Laura is, is driving and just cannot find a good radio station. Like all, all she's getting is the most perverse, horrific news. It was like, it was like news that you would see in some sort of fake tabloid, but it's like kind of borderline real. And she just keeps turning it and getting more upset by the minute. And then at one point she's just like, I can't take it anymore. Sailor, find yeah. me a radio station. <laughs> That's a great scene. Uh, and then of course, you know, he turns it on to a, you know, I, I don't really recognize the song at all, but it's a good song. And, and they get out on the side of the highway and Nick Cage does this badass thing where like, I don't know exactly how he gets out of the convertible, but he like does almost like a backflip with his hands on the sides of the car. Do you recall that at all? It was so cool to me. I don't remember what movie does, man. It's so sick. And it's like, it felt like it had to be kind of impromptu, like Nick Cage just whiling out, but yeah, he's just so stoked. And he goes like, and then <laughs> does this awesome flip out of the car, man. I highly encourage you to, to check it back out. Cause it's, it's excellent, dude. I remember um, the how. And they, you remember the, what the how, how, yeah. And they just, they just fucking rock out. And I have to say, it's not, it's not the best dance moves, but I'm glad that David Lynch gives them like a good 30 seconds to just do, just like rage pit on the side of the highway. <sighs> Love that scene, man. Oh, and the, I'm, I'm, I'm rewatching it right now. Cause I just wanted to, and they just, 
They hug it out afterwards. That's so touching, man. They don't like go in for the full makeout and sex, but they just hug it out and stare at each other in the sunset. Wow. Sweet. This is so wonderful, man. I really did love a lot of this movie. Um, I guess one of the weird things that I was kind of confused by was, you know, obviously the first car wreck that they come across what felt felt pretty realistic and important. And I really enjoyed it because, you know, just cast so much doubt into Laura's head, but it felt like by the end of the movie, there was like three more car wrecks, like at the very last five minutes that I was just so confused by, like, like there's a car wreck, um, you know, when she's going to pick sailor up and then there's another car wreck when sailor runs back to her and I was just like, why, why are there all these just random ass car accidents on the road? I don't know if there's any significance at all. I was just confused. Well, I was thinking that. Oh, maybe a good amount of time has passed because sailor has been in jail for whatever period of time. And the world is just an increasingly just dangerous and fucked up place i guess this this reality that that we have going on here and i guess it's just supposed to add to the feeling of i don't know what 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 this world is like to be alone in for for lula with her with her child yeah i hadn't processed that but now that you kind of said that it's very interesting that the you know 10 minutes or so we get of him after jail you're right like everything that's really going on is kind of just heightened a little bit into kind of fucked upness like sailor can't walk down the road without having a gang jump him and shit so yeah that's a good call man huh well i guess those were my texas yeah big tuna kind of came to kind of you know spread out a little bit I guess those are my favorite. I mean, I thought that I thought the obese chicks in Big Tuna was maybe like a tad overkill, but I guess I'm okay with it. Like Big Tuna is tough to to describe without visuals, so you need as much as you can possibly get, I guess. Yeah. Um, I thought the the murder of Laura's father was was really excellent the way that like his father i love i really love that guy's um expressions throughout the whole movie how he just wants to please his wife and all his wife wants to do is like kind of off him and sleep around without him and all this terrible shit and she he just he just loves her so much it kind of i guess it kind of parallels sailor's devotion a little bit although of course laura's father's character is so much more of a bitch but it's kind of it's are we talking about Harry Dean Stanton? Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Because Laura's father, or not Laura, but Lula's father, she he was burned alive. Oh, my God. You're absolutely right. I apologize. You're right. That is, that, I, what is that then? Is that a stepfather? No, it's just like a, a guy who really wants to get with Sailor's mom and he's like he's like a crime crime guy no 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 not really wait that guy like the little wuss who gets you know shot in the head by the the hitman is Mm -hmm. 
he's a crime guy. Yeah, he's not like a he's not like a um, law enforcement or anything. He's because remember the the crime guy, the other criminal, yeah, dude. He wants to kill that guy, and when he first when he first gets involved, he asks her, and he says, "Well, why do you need me? Can't you just get?" And then names that guy to do it. You're right. And then, and then she says, "Well, I've already got him doing it." And then she's eventually just like, "Yeah, please don't kill him. Just kill." sailor and then the guy's like nah i'm killing both (laughs) of them sorry i i guess for some reason when i saw laura's mom ask him to do the dirty work and he said yes i just thought that that he was just kind of a good old boy that could find a gun and do whatever this woman wanted i did not i did not realize that that kind of made that was supposed to show that he was some sort of you know career criminal i did not realize that but i think they gave us some sort of backstory Mm. well his murder scene is very fantastic as weird it is i I really enjoyed it so those are probably my tops man and i guess just closing thoughts is that i thought it was a really good ride and, and it was really fun and i don't i don't walk away with with severe negativity towards the movie i i really enjoyed it actually (laughs) um uh, and that death scene he goes fuck me now reggie (laughs) oh my god Um, and she does this like you know the the mom in twin peaks does this like really insane like tongue flicker in his face and and wow i'm very impressed with her change of character Um, there's a part where a dog runs off with a severed hand. That's very Lynchian. The, oh my God. The ending, honestly, the ending of this movie, I know we haven't really talked about too much and maybe we shouldn't, but between the, the witch appearing and, and both of those guys, both of the bank tellers crawling on the floor, bloody and without their hands and William Defoe's head, like literally blowing up <laughs> like a, like a rocket in, <laughs> hitting the side dude i don't know man i mean that was really silly i guess like most of the movie has been had some silly parts but that was like beyond that was like really absurd but uh i don't know mixed thoughts towards that part um yeah and and the whole fucked up world that we face at the very end there's a guy bleeding on the ground and a dude with a wheelchair just screaming at him or something like that. Yeah. And he says something like, he said something like that happened to me last year or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Very weird, very weird world for sure. And I think, I don't know if David actually thinks smoking two cigarettes is cool. I guess it's a joke and kind of a good one. He has sailors smoking two cigarettes sometimes. Yeah. The the first time I noticed it was when he got told that Laura was pregnant. And so he busted out as kind of like a coping mechanism. And then the second time is when he's in jail. Those are the only two points that I saw it. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting technique that David, you know, uses to, to tell us something. I don't know. 
Um, hmm. uh, that's about it. Been some weird stuff. There's that. Yeah, you're right about those the the fat belly dancers. That's kind of weird. The, the right after the right after the Jack Nance says, "My dog is always with me," and then the fat belly dancers come out. I, I didn't really understand. I guess Sailor's plan. Like, is Big Tuna the stopping point, or is it a is it a resting spot or because I mean he originally says Cali and you know you don't have to necessarily believe that but is Big Tuna the plan like to be here or because he knows Big Tuna right I I recall him being familiar with it. Yeah, I'm I'm not clear on why uh, because she makes a comment. She's like, you had to come really out of the way to get here to Big Tuna. Yeah, and I don't. Is he just? Is he trying to get money because he knows they're broke and so he knows he'll eventually end up in some shit? But I don't know. It's an interesting plot point. Maybe it's maybe it's just an excuse, you know, to for the plot, and it's not necessarily it doesn't have to be added up altogether. But yeah. yeah, those obese topless chicks. I don't know. But overall, again, I enjoyed it. I'm excited. I don't think it's you know, Dune is is definitely, in my opinion, the worst of the worst so far, and so I'm excited to to stay on this ride. I don't even really remember. Uh, I haven't looked up what's next, actually. Do you know what we're doing in next? Well, Mulholland is probably next. Oh, I see. Hmm. That would be the only film that I had actually seen before, which I don't, I absolutely don't mind. No, it's lost highway. It's lost highway and then straight story. And then Mulholland. So I don't know anything about well, Lost Highway. I'm just looking at a picture, and it looks like uh, the stubble of a very handsome man and the chin of a very, very beautiful woman. So excited to dive in. Uh, do you want to tease this at all or let things run its course? I'll just say that the mystery man in Lost Highway is one of the creepiest characters I've ever seen in a movie. He is a straight up creep. Oh man, I like it. What a creep. (laughs) Robert Blake Uh, plays it. I don't recognize that actor's name, so I'll have to I'll leave it uh I'll leave it. Cold blood. I have never seen in cold blood. I've never read the book either, but I, I want to. So all right. Well, we'll leave it at that, and I hope you guys can watch. Uh, what did we just say? The straight story. No, nope, <laughs> just uh, Wild at Heart. No, no, no. I hope you guys definitely watch Wild at Heart and could join on this one. But oh, next looking week, forward, uh, Lost Highway. We we get Lost Highway, so we will see you next Tuesday. All right, man. All right. Take it easy. Peace.